Welcome to Canon Calls, everyone. I'm your host, Jake McAtee. And this week, I was, as you will be able to tell, super excited to talk with Doug Tenable, who is currently in the middle of his Earthworm Jim 2 comic campaign at Kickstarter. Please go visit the links in the show notes to see all that that guy is up to and find ways that you can support what he's up to. In terms of Canon Press's shelf, one book that kept coming to mind as I spoke with Doug was Douglas Wilson's Wordsmithy. One critical thing to being a creator of art is that you are interesting and that that before your art is great, that you have to be a person, a whole person, someone who is a fully orbed character. And Doug Wilson does a great job in Wordsmithy of not just inspiring what will be good authors of novels, but ultimately what makes good artists. Who are the kind of people that make art worth spending time with? I think Doug Tenable represents that kind of person wonderfully. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Doug Tenable. Oh man, thanks for having me. I love, I, I love Canon Press. They're my people. <laughs> I was so I wanted to set this up that on Canon calls we have all kinds of people on, and not everyone that people probably can hear through the conversation are we giving an automatic green light to. But just so everybody knows, we have Doug Ten Apple posters in the Canon office, so these are hanging nice. on the walls. These, this, so this episode is a full blown recommendation of Doug Tenable and his work. Oh, cool. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Absolutely. Well, Thanks, so right out the gate, if no one gets further than 10 minutes in, I want to give you a chance to talk about your brand new campaign, Earthworm Jim 2. Sure. Just really quick. Earthworm Jim 2 is a, a giant comic book. It's 160 pages and it's like a nine inch by 12 inch hardbound book. And I'm really crazy about true good and beautiful art so i really love the uh the printing process and so i'm real into like gold foil and embossing and all that just kind of to make it look like something that goes in the library and the way that people find it is it's on kickstarter and kickstarter.com is a crowdfunding site you put in your credit card information and you it's kind of like uh pre-ordering a book and then i mail it to you in february and it's something that uh I think a lot of people would like. I'm always reaching out to a, a secular audience primarily, but I have a lot of Christians in my audience too, and I love telling stories for both. I want to get to, you mentioned it's on Kickstarter. I want to talk to you about that. You're not. This is not coming through a publisher that we could send folks to. This is, uh, this is coming from you personally. Um, but real quick, could you tell us, uh, there may even be some people who, you said Earthworm Jim, and automatically they knew exactly what it was, this fond, nostalgic memory. For those that don't, what is Earthworm Jim? Sure. Earthworm Jim was an enormously popular video game that I created in the early, about 1994, it came out for the uh, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo video game system. And it, I mean, it sold like, it made like $60 million its first year. Unreal. So, it's it, it blew up and so now i've got the book rights to tell the story but yeah it 
it's huge and very nostalgic. So a lot of people, you know, they love the game, but a video game was a terrible place to tell a story. There was just, there wasn't room on the cartridge to tell a story. Now I've been doing comic books for 20 years. So I decided to kind of do this epic story and finally tell people kind of why Earthworm Jim is a hero instead of just playing a video game where you just kind of you shoot crows and you jump and <laughs> collect power-ups and stuff. I'm going, no, there's actually, he really did. Uh, he really is a superhero and this is why. Awesome. Now, when you say, so it was, it's tough to tell stories or it was tough to tell stories in that fashion. Is that something that you had to learn? Did you yeah, know that I mean, going in? Um, we, well, back then, you know, you got to think back to what technology is like in the past. Right. You wouldn't even imagine a, a giant epic story on a little cartridge, you know, barely bigger than a, than a floppy disk, you know, something, uh, you know, it, the, it was so limited that we just thought, wow, if we can just put a whole lot of animation in his run animation and his run cycle, that would be mind blowing. So you just have a character running around with a lot of animation. You're going, this is mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no story in there. Or anything. Right. Right. You just wouldn't even imagine it. You know, and that's kind of the way technology works. It's really hard to imagine ahead of what things will end up being, especially while you're creating it, you know, on the spot. So it, it never even occurred to us to be able to put that much story in it. But then the next year it got picked up as an animated TV series to go on for kids. And so then you start telling a little more story through the animated television. Where did it get picked up for that show? That was on. That was the first year of the Warner Brothers Network called the Kids WB. Okay. And so uh, it was the animation we did uh, Universal, but it was on the Warner Brothers Network on a Saturday morning cartoon. Okay. Oh, and then also uh, to go along with that, Playmates Toys, who did the Ninja Turtles toy line, also launched a toy line of Earthworm Jim. When you say you got the book rights, so what what was that whole experience like? Did I mean you guys probably didn't know it would do sixty million, um, right? How, how did all that go? How was that experience in the business? Yeah, and it, and it's really weird because now I'm dealing with um, contracts and intellectual property rights, <laughs> all the IP, and uh, dealing with lawyers and uh, you know weird negotiations and stuff like that. And I'm like a I was born in L.A., but I was raised, you know, in farmland, California, in the Central Valley, you know, like around cows and horses and chickens and, you know, manual labor. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I was an insane, uh, crazy artist. Uh, just a weird mix. Right. I'm also a born again Christian. And I and I wanted to make video games and comic books and animation. And so I have like this weird blend. There's not, there's not been a cocktail quite like Doug Tenable yet. Not yet. Yeah, I broke the mold. <laughs> right. So um, it's, it's a lot of negotiating uh, to get those rights. And then, but I did finally get them and I'm able to kind of pass down the books, whatever the books end up making, I get to pass it down to my kids and hold on to those rights. But uh, it's just a weird it, it, it took it was it took 25 years after I made the video game. I finally got the book rights to do the book. Unreal. So it's like a story that's been sitting in my head for a long time. And I, I've in a way, I've had a really, uh, you know, a long career since then in entertainment, in video games and TV. 
And now I finally get to tell the story kind of of my first big hit. So while I'm sure you would have appreciated those rights sooner, are you kind of glad that you got Earthworm Jim on sort of this side of, you, you mentioned 20 years of graphic novels. Are you glad you get to tell Earthworm Jim on that on this side of that 20 years? Yeah. Yeah, because guess what would have happened, Jake, if I got to do it 25 years ago? <laughs> the writing would be a lot worse. Right. So I've, I've since, you know, put out 20 graphic novels. So I've put out 20 other, they're called graphic novels, but they're comic books. Right. I've since put out 20 long form comic books and I'm really good at story and character now. So it's, uh, that's been neat. And, and in a way, uh, the fans are going to get to see, read a much better book. And you'll see on Earthworm Jim 1 is called Launch the Cow. This is the second book that we're doing on Kickstarter called Fight the Fish, Earthworm Jim Fight the Fish. And uh, the epic is huge. So like I'm real influenced by Lord of the Rings, uh, you know, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, Moby Dick, and of course, comic book greats like Bone and stuff like that, and Calvin and Hobbes. And so I'm able to write a much bigger epic that's a much more responsible, fun uh, epic that kind of makes sense and is going somewhere. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I I mentioned to you, I, I take sort of a, as a baseline, if nothing else for conversation, I could be uh, totally not giving the credit my audience is due. But if, if folks are looking at that world, the world of comic books, like if they just went through a store and just thought like, well, I need a shower after seeing yeah. a lot of that culture. Yeah. What, where do you come from? I mean, like in terms of the, in terms of that world, how did you find yourself in it and then able to tell the stories you tell? Um, how are you possible, I guess, in this world or in that world? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely in hostile territory. So, <laughs> um, but I, as an artist, I, I was always, um, you know, I, I leave the 99 to go after the one. I, I really want to be the guy that uh, oftentimes the people that read my story are unfamiliar or, or have no interest in um, truth, goodness and beauty in the scriptures, in anything good. Often all they've consumed is really dark uh, reading material. Often not only is it um on the surface uh crass or whatever but deep down inside it's also very nihilistic and hopeless and and my work has is always something where i i and a lot of kids that uh, end up writing me they say they find this is that it you know they were going through a really tough time with depression some of them suicidal some of them struggling with uh cancer or something and they say that it made them smile and gave them something moral to think about. All of my stories have a pretty, um, you know, Judeo-Christian worldview going on behind the scenes, but I'm burying it like C.S. Lewis does. You know, it's buried deep within the story. So it's not quite on the nose like you might get from, say, uh, you know, a more explicit sure. uh, preach, preachy comic. It's not that at all. Right. It, it real it's far more seductive than that what i'm doing <laughs> so um but it's just it, it it was always frustrating to me i really resented it as a artist i'm a fine artist and a video game creator the idea that christians would have a reputation as being uncreative hmm. 
And, and I just go, no, I'm going to come in and I'm going to kick butt. I'm a very creative, uh, hardcore, creative, hardcore Christian. Right. And I just, I just will not give up the ground. And I have an entire industry saying, uh, you know, quit. We don't like your message. We don't like you. Uh, uh, Christians and conservatives make terrible art. We hear all the time and it's just not true. Um, we're out there. And unfortunately, but, uh, I hear that too often from folks on our on our side. Not even just. Oh yeah, from, I hear it from Christians. Right. Oh yeah, I make fun of them all the time. I go, <laughs> "What about the garbage that secular people make? Why don't you ever blame um, terrible TV shows and flop movies on atheism? I mean, it, that's what's fair, right? Right. right. So to take Waterworld or or um, terrible, you know, awful secular movie. No one ever goes. We'll see uh, atheists and liberals make terrible art. No, they do also make terrible. The bottom line is and anyone can make terrible art. Nate Wilson's favorite example of that is Hot Tub Time Machine. They, yeah. They're just not embarrassed by it. Like Christians get quickly embarrassed by our stuff. Yeah. yeah. Let's look at Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, is that <laughs> is that Chaucer? Is that the Canterbury Tales? Exactly. No. Exactly. And, and this, and if you look back on the on the oldest uh, the great works, um, they're all informed by uh, Judeo Christian beauty. Uh, if you look at Shakespeare or Virgil or just or Lord of the Rings or anything, and and I do think in modernity, a lot more slop came about and hit all of us. And I think the church may have gone along with culture because we're so stewed in it. You know, we live in it. Right. And so we all lower our standards and suddenly no one is, you know, carving Michelangelo's David out of marble. Uh, no one is writing Chaucer or Shakespeare or Moby Dick. And there's still, you know, good Christian art out there and there's still good secular art out there. But the idea that one has the corner on quality, I just don't see it. If you look around, I mean, just just scroll to the right on Netflix someday and see how secular movie makers are doing. Right. You know, it's like Attack of the Zombie People, werewolves and stuff. Just complete low budget garbage. So cultures are wrecked and we we need to support. I need the support of Christians uh, to support my work. But we need to support more smaller, independent storytellers and filmmakers it really shouldn't be that expensive for any one person to do and that's why i'm a huge advocate of crowdfunding the idea of i need crowds in mass media of hundreds of people to come in and buy a 25 dollar book instead of any one person to come up and just drop you know 50 million dollars on my lap right right and, and that to me that's the future of all of us uh, in christian media is we really need the church to wake up, and and if you ever find good uh, storytelling or art or a podcast, you need to subscribe and leave a review. You need to buy work that you love from artists that you love, and really consider them. It, it's an important job. You, and and if you if you're not willing to do that, then maybe don't complain so much about how terrible culture is. Right. Your your Twitter feed should be filled with shame for the bottom twenty percent of Netflix, or maybe more, maybe thirty five percent of Netflix. Yeah. Um. So with this last box, so I, I was a part of the uh, launch the cow campaign. You oh, were, that was a great that was a great campaign. <laughs> it was awesome, and there's something primal about just getting a box that's for you and just looking at stuff. 
or you it's yeah. <laughs> it's like a weird you feel i felt uh oddly like a child but um yeah <laughs> so i'm appealing to the child and everyone in the youthful thing yeah when i open that box there's little trading cards and stickers and things and that's because when i grew up I, I would get wacky packs you know Oh, but yeah. I still would get a special joy when I'm sitting. I have four kids. When I would sit on the ground and and build a Lego set with them, I went right back to when I was a kid doing Legos. Yeah, and, I, I, it took me by surprise. I mean, I was excited to get it, and then I just I uh, I was beaming. But you had a uh, a making of book as well, which I think you yeah. normally do with your campaigns. But there was a line: is your friend Mark? had a second yeah. Mark Lorenzen, yeah. Lorenzen. He was a fellow fellow creator, fellow uh, artist on Earthworm Jim. And, and by the way, a, a Christian that I've known, we met in 1984 at uh, Point Loma Nazarene College and he he and I instantly became just best friends and art buddies and we've both really challenged each other in the faith. Uh he's a great hardcore Christian. He's a programmer at uh, EA Games. Okay, wow. Um Ooh, I, which talk, I talk about working, talk about working in Mordor. <laughs> he had this quote though, that I was like, man, I, I wanted to mention it. Um, he, he was actually talking about you at Point Loma and he was talking about in the art department. And he said, where my aim was to impress people with my craftsmanship, Doug's thing was subversion, which resonated with me big time on your stuff. And going to the idea that I think you're thriving in that industry, which is rather not the best, it seems, uh, in terms of like healthy food for people. The way you do it is subverting everything, is, is, yeah. is making awesome comics uh, that go directly at the enemy. Yeah. It's, uh, and, you know, of course, we serve a subversive savior. Right. I mean, Jesus, the way that he uses his words is, you know, they're trying to trap him. Right. They're like, should we pay taxes? He's like, oh, give me a coin. <laughs> Whose head's on it? He just keeps like asking him questions and they're, and they're, they're furious with him. And uh, they, 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 they keep trying to trap him and he keeps evading them. And I've got people absolutely hunting my career to destroy me. And I'm more explicitly Christian than ever. I just like go, you know, uh, uh, watch what, and I get invited on the foulest, <laughs> near pornographic secular shows going like, oh, we're going to get Doug in here. We're going to debate the scriptures. I go, yeah, yeah, get me on. And they're just using the F word and just tearing into me all day. And I'm going, yeah. And they're going like, so what's your big, you know, what's your big message, your big proof? And I go, oh, Jesus died for you. <laughs> and they just, they just flip out. Like they don't know what to do. It's so offensive to them. And, I, and they can say all the worst cussing foul stuff. And by far, just presenting the gospel, I, uh, I have said the most offensive thing, perhaps in the history of their show. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm always like working an audience and working a crowd. And, and my storytelling, it's like chess. You know, you attack and defend at the same time. And, and and I just really, this is my calling and this is my comfort zone. Is on I want to be on the front lines, and and I just I I find it easy to tell those kinds of stories that uh, you know in the middle of Earthworm Jim, in the in the middle of this story that's full of like you know 
uh, poop joke and goofy screw around humor. And then suddenly the farmer, he's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to eat Kentucky fried chicken. It's time. Y'all bow your heads. We're going to pray to God. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, just that sacred moment. It's not that that converts anyone, but I'm just saying, look, it is realistic for a farmer, even if an alien earthworm Jim comes in at his house, that he would still say a prayer. Like, I'm not going to tell a lie and not have him do that. That's what he would do. I, I and, had Farmer Jim written down just because uh, maybe even more shocking in today's world is that you, hand, you handled a character named Farmer Jim without utter disdain. Yeah, that's my country background. You know, it all takes place in Turlock, and that's Turlock, California, in the uh, farming area where I live. And I, I really don't. That was another thing that was weird about my art um, is I, I don't just make fun of conservatives as stupid and those farm people. It would make city people look so cool and farm people are so dumb. And in my books, some of the smartest, brilliant people I ever met were were uh, people of the soil and people from small town America. I just think it's, and lo and behold, it's more creative and interesting to have them do that. So I'm, I'm still doing my job kind of, it's kind of, uh, and it's a surprise, but at the same time, when people read it, I think they see a, a true person there in farmer Jim. And he represents the audience because you have this freak show of characters, Earthworm Jim and Princess What's-Her-Name and a, a living ball of snot and a talking dog. And they're fighting a, uh, a space war. And then suddenly there's a there's this farmer in overalls uh, being dragged throughout <laughs> this whole adventure. He represents oftentimes my my farming audience. Right. I love him. He's one of my favorite characters. He's just a farmer named Jim. Right. That's great. So uh, another question about your work that maybe overlaps with the business is your uh, your comic power up seemed yeah. to overlap with uh, the business. It seemed a bit autobiographical more than others. Uh, yeah. Is that fair to say? Um, all of my work is pretty autobiographical. And so that one addressed the video game. Uh, my video game world as a family man and working as a family man in games and specifically with uh, the dream of creating a famous video game characters, what kind of the, the dad is dreaming about right. is making it in games. And that was very much me as a kid, just feeling like, you know, I, I, I love video games and comic books, you know, in animation. It's what I've always uh, done as a hobby. I've done it as long as I can remember. And uh, it just seemed impossible to make it. Anyone trying to be a writer or even a podcaster, you know what it's like where you just go, I'll never be seen. My work will never get out. And I just can't explain my own success. You know, I have to blame it on God, but I just, I, I work really hard, but um, there's so many people that are better than me that never make it. Right. Say. And right. that could have just as easily been me. So I just feel like uh, it, it must be, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with fate. I love success. I love it when things go great. And, and, and there've been some really dry years where you're like, why, why did I choose this path? I'm losing my house. Why? You know. So, so there's uh it's not all fun and games. You know? 
So one thing in particular, there was sort of a dark take on contracts, which makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, guys. I think I might be dying on this uh, on this interview. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we will. I'll, I'll I'll put nine and one in the phone, and if if you die on the spot, I'll put the final one in. I appreciate we'll make that because no one will know. Um, yeah. Is that why you didn't continue to do video games? Was was I mean, as someone who made a video game that was as successful as Earthworm Jim, you would think you would still be, you know, at Rockstar or, you know. Yeah. What, what, what was it for you that you, you bounced out and decided to go the, the animation route and then comic books? Yeah, I, so I started in, in comics as a kid, uh, you know, making comics uh, and then started studying animation. And then started studying video games. Then my career went backwards, you know, because I was <laughs> making comics, making animation, and then got into video games, got out of video games, got into animation, then just went back to comics. And now I'm all comics all day. So I just think comics is a more pure storytelling form. I think video games are still a terrible place to tell a story because if a game is fun, then it's doing its job. It actually doesn't have to have a great story. Right. When you're playing Candy Crush, I don't really care what the story is. All right. The game is functioning, even if the story is terrible. Right. So there's just not a necessity to it. And then on top of that, video games these days just take so many people to pull off. Okay. It, um, it's very hard to work on independently and for a low cost. Same with television. You have to have a crew of like 100 people to do an animated television series. I can do a comic with my with me and uh, an assistant and my colorist in the UK and a couple other people, and I can write and draw all I want, basically um, for free. The cost really is in paying a colorist and in paying for the print run. So it's just it's more liberating, especially if I want to do fun or more creative stories that aren't just kind of a sellout or a sequel, you know, to Hollywood or something. It, it it really enables me to do really anything I want. So I just I, I found that more potent and more fun. If I didn't do this, I would probably have moved on to writing novels like Mr. Wilson, Nate Wilson, and Doug <laughs> Wilson. Do. I probably would be writing novels because again, I can just sit at home and just tell a story. Can we ever expect a Doug Tenaple novel? You know, I'm really self conscious when it comes to <laughs> writing long form. I've had a number of people challenge. In fact, that was my last, uh, the, uh, one of my great thinkers is uh, Chris Nicewanger out of, uh, you know, apologetics.com. And he just said, I really challenge you, Doug. One day, I think you need to run a book. And he was really serious. <laughs> uh -oh, yeah. and I went, oh, and Doug Wilson just sent me his, uh, oh, the last book that he. Ride Sally Ride. Yeah, Ride Sally Ride. That's right. And, uh, and I just go, man, these guys can write. And, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I use my artist. I, I go, I'm not a, you know, I, I, I just love the crutch of being able to fall back on, on writing and using art. Fair it's enough. Just, uh, a, a lot, I'm, I'm just way more comfortable there. It's so easy for me. And it, in terms of uh, production, in terms of the team that you were talking about, it seems like you have achieved the peak of ultimate indie artist. Um, for a while, you were with a publisher or you had your books yeah. through a publisher. And then now you are going purely through Indiegogo and Kickstarter. What was, what was sort of the motivation behind that, and and how has it gone? 
Sure. It's going great. I mean, our last, the first room gym one, we raised $815,000 on, uh, and I've done, I've published 10 comics through secular publishers of, uh, image comics and scholastic books, the ones that are in schools. So they're my, they were my main, uh, comic guys. And now that I can do it independently, this is what I'm going to do. A lot of it has to do with cancel culture is as a Christian, I'm, um, you know, I, I preach the gospel. I'm against gay marriage. I'm against even black lives matter, which, you know, my Kickstarter, you'll see at the top of Kickstarter, it says black lives matter Kickstarter. Like I'm in hostile territory. Um, and so independent is the only way to keep for me to keep from getting canceled. Now I just saw the writing on the wall where sooner or later, I think most conservatives and Christians that are outspoken just won't be able to work at normal companies. It it, you know, it may be one year. It may even be today already. (laughs) It may be five years. It may be whenever, but more and more they're just making it. So they're trying to make it so uncomfortable about being vocal about what you believe that they're just going to keep canceling people. Most of my Christians friends in video games and comics keep, they know to keep their mouth shut if they're going to work. So they really can take away the mandate that we all have to preach the gospel. And it's troubling to watch Christians being so complicit and go along and just be silent. And I just I that's not an option when someone uh, per, unpurchased. And so uh, I'm just that's not an option. I'm just I'm not going to be quiet. I'm always going to a- stay this way till the wheels fall off. <laughs> I think Christians have this automatic baseline setting uh, of just existing on the periphery. You know, if somebody told you like, well, Doug, you know, I'm glad you're that way, but you know, this is the earth, the, the, the world is not my home. You know, I'm just yeah. an exile. And so I'm going to be on scholastic as an exile. Yeah. And that's sort of my thing. That hasn't been your take. Well, why not? Yeah. I never, I, I am a very, uh, a very sharp weapon and I'm not going to give it over to someone else's mind to decide where to swing it because they end up swinging it against my own side. So I'm, I want Christians to really sharpen their, their skills and their ability. And then when you finally make it, why are you going to go, why are you going to go work for Hollywood? Why are you going to go work for some secular company? that's going to say, look, I'll pay devil's deal. I will pay your bills but you'll take all your skill that you worked your whole life to develop and work for Babylon and, and spread the Babylon message. It's like, that's just right. Seems like a really bad strategy now. And I'm not poo-pooing Christians that have to work for Hollywood. I'm only saying, like I said, don't complain about how terrible stories are and movies are and music is it. And then, and then don't, start an independent business and do it yourself and show them how it's done. Totally. That's and and more and more in modernity. One amazing thing about technology is, wow, you really can just write a book and put it up on Amazon Kindle. (laughs) You really can animate a short and just put it up on YouTube. You can make an independent film with your phone. You can, you know what I mean? You can make an independent album and release it. And in a way, suddenly all of our excuses have been taken away. Right. So now, so now why are you sitting there? 
in terms of quality, Doug, I imagine not every single one of those people that bought Earthworm Jim launched the cow. All almost a million dollars worth. I, I imagine yeah. not all of them are Christians. Is that fair to say? Oh, most of my audience by far is secular. I, I get very little Christian support to a point. It's been it used to be frustrating and then I just kind of accepted it that I am I am uh, to be telling stories in hostile territory. And, and and I would love to get more Christians in my audience because I need their protection and I wish I wish they would support me more. I really uh, I do have Christians in my audience who pray for me and reach out to me. They fund my work and they tell me so in email. And it's very encouraging, believe me. But if I had to make a living on it, uh, I'd start <laughs> on their <laughs> on their money. So I'm just saying, yeah, I make right. my money uh, mostly. And so that's another great thing is you have the world funding me. And I'm very explicit on my uh, personal life, sharing the gospel. And, um, you know, it, it's working. And, uh, and I tell God, I, 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 in fact, I tell culture too. I say, I'll be canceled when God chooses to allow me to be canceled. Right. And not, and not one day before. So I'm pretty, I have a pretty big mouth on me. You, you, and, you're, uh, you're still standing, but not for a lack of trying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I hope I get canceled. Uh, it, it would be a great honor to lose my job uh, for for something as great as the gospel. And it hasn't happened yet. So I just go, God uh, has me in this place and uh, and I'm on board for that ride for as long as he'll have me the day he has me canceled. Uh, I'll just have to make a do it make a different plan, you know, tack a little uh, ch- change a little direction and try something else. That's working now. One of the principles underneath that is that you have created such a life um, that being an independent artist, I mean, it would be pretty tough to cancel you at this point. I mean, See, Kickstarter's canceled bigger talent than me. So I'm saying, I mean, I, I imagine any day Kickstarter could just completely delete my campaign and refund all the money. They, they could do that any moment. They're legally allowed to. And they, and they have people writing them every day saying Doug opposes gay marriage and opposes Black Lives Matter and called them a a neo-Marxist group. Um, They write Kickstarter every day and say, you can't have this guy on your platform. So I don't know why I'm still on there, (laughs) but I I am. And by the way, they canceled me today, you know, whatever. Fine. Uh, I'll just go over to Indiegogo or I'll start my own crowdfunding site. And I'll reach back out to the people and say, will you give me money to make a book? We're not victims. Don't be terrified. Right. Draw your sword and start swinging because we're, you're a little late in the culture war. <laughs> I'm saying, everybody, true. get in and let's go. Very true. And, you know, if, that, if all of that happens, the worst thing is Doug Tadable gets the rights back to cardboard, I imagine. And then he gets to put out an even more awesome version. You know, That's right. A big version of it. So. Uh, I'm not rooting for that to happen though. Um, well, it's, I'm just saying it's a look, uh, Christians in the past used to watch their children get fed the lions. That hasn't happened to me yet. (laughs) And, and, and you find, and you go, wow, then that guy didn't stop preaching. And all it took today for Christians to be quiet was to be made fun of a little teeny bit on Twitter and they're, and they're buckling and caving. Uh, 
that's that shouldn't be what we're made of. It's like you can you can take a little persecution. Let's go, people. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Uh, Doug, yeah. thanks so much for your time, man. You can catch him at Audio Mullet Podcast, which, by the way, has I mean that name and your uh, and the subtitle that goes with it. I mean that may be peak podcast name. Yeah. Can you yeah, tell us audio what it is? Mullet. I do audio mullet with my buddy, uh, Ethan Nicole, who's uh, one of the graphics guys on Babylon B. And uh, the other editor of Babylon B just joined us as a third co-host because. Uh, okay, that's Michael official. Mills, that's, that is official. Now. Very cool. So the idea is that uh, we try and uh, defend things that are out of fashion, but are actually really cool, like values from the past. And just like the mullet haircut. <laughs> it's the best. That's the best. I mean, it's, you know. it's pretty rude. I'm pretty rude on, I'm warning you guys. There's uh there's some pretty rough language on there, but, uh, you have caused we, unrest even recently. I am, I am subversive yeah. and I, and I can only apologize for my mouth. So I love if it. I add offense to the gospel, that's on me. I love it. Well, We'd love to have you for your next campaign because another thing I didn't get to is you're a big Chesterton fan. So I'd love to talk to you more about that. And yeah. I will have all the links that we need to know in the show notes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. If you guys back this book, I will send you a beautiful, fun book. It's going to be a blast. If you need to get caught up, get the, the $50 two book uh, for Earthworm Jim 1 and 2. But for sure, get Earthworm Jim 2, Fight the Fish. And I would love to send you... We you stickers and posters and a, a great book that uh, kids would enjoy, but also adults will love it too. It's made for families and people to read together and share and laugh out loud. And uh, it it's an honor to get to uh, even ask you. So thank you. There's no one better to support. So head to those links and get that package. Thanks so much, Doug. I really appreciate it, man. My pleasure, Jake. See you, buddy.